Hi guys, welcome to the Midweek Fife Property Show. So this is about Fife first-time buyers can now use 5% deposit mortgages. Yet higher mortgage rates could see Fife buyers paying a lot more a month for the privilege of it. Roll VT! I mean, guys, this is all about Fife first-time buyers can now use 5% deposit mortgages. Actually, second-time buyers, third-time buyers can actually use it as well. So we're going to bring on an expert in this, and this is Neil Bird from Cara Mortgages. Hi, Neil. How are you? Hi, Jim. I'm good. Thank you. Absolutely excellent. It's a wonderful day, and it's uh, it's all about selling houses. <laughs> we're getting mortgages so my clients can buy them from you. Making money, helping people manage life as it happens. That's really what it comes down. I mean, we've been talking about off air about the fact that, uh, you know, uh, property prices have increased quite significantly since possibly some people have actually taken out their mortgages. And, um, you know, mortgage rates actually might be quite favorable since the last time anybody actually got a mortgage review as well. So it's maybe worth touching base with someone like yourself to actually to actually find out that. Um, you know, would that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's always, we always tend to find there's a lot of people still sitting on variable rates, especially because rates did go down last year with with COVID, obviously some rate cuts and people think, well, it's not, maybe not worth moving. But if they've got equity in the property, you could get certainly five-year fixed rate under 3% quite easily these days. Um, and there's also potentially quite a lot of scope for um expanding properties that kind of thing so if you're not wanting to move yeah. but you've got equity in the property cheapest way to borrow money is on a mortgage if you can do it um so so yeah definitely options for doing that or like I say even just getting a better deal and it's peace of mind really more than anything i mean you mentioned five-year fixed deals but that is really peace of mind to, to know that that's what you're going to pay regardless for the next five years Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world right now with obviously still haven't really felt the effects of, of the Brexit deal where the economy is obviously going to be in a bit of a mess once we do get through this this pandemic. And it, it, it gives stability, allows people to budget. And yeah. I mean, when I said rates under 3% for, for the two year, sorry, five year fixed rates, that's the more expensive end. For someone that's got a sort of 25% or more equity, you could be looking at under 2%, which is the lowest they've ever been. And That's there are crazy, some lenders, yeah. yeah, it's great. I mean, there are some lenders out there that are currently offering five-year fixed rates for the same price as a two-year fixed rate, which has never been the case in the 17 years that I've been doing this job. So the key is really to get the advice from someone like yourself from Cara Mortgages. You know, that's really what yeah. comes down to it. So yeah. we're, we're I mean, going to be talking about today about the first-time buyers and how they can be using the 5% deposit mortgages. But being a Fife first-time buyer in the last 12 months has not been an easy thing, really. I mean, just before lockdown, there were 400 5% deposit mortgage deals for first and first-time buyers were able to shop around to get the best deal. Uh, when the first lockdown hit, 5% mortgages basically disappeared. You know, meaning that many of the Fife uh, would-be first-time buyers were, were were about to buy their first home in 2020. The rug was really pulled out from under their feet. And yet today, when you think about the logic, you can count on two hands 
the number of mortgage deals that actually allow 5% deposits, even worse, the number of hoops one has to jump through to get that 5% deposit is extremely high just now. Plus, you have to pay handsomely for the privilege. The mortgage rates, you know, as you had said before, is, I mean, some mortgage rates are at least 4.15% 4 for higher higher rates. So in putting down that 5% deposit, you and you borrow the remaining 95% of the mortgages, these 95% mortgages are, are what is called 95% loan to value, um, were very popular for first-time buyers before the credit crunch. You know, we've all mentioned the credit crunch because this is what a lot of people refer to. Is there going to be something similar? We'll talk about that in a wee while. Uh, nearly one in six mortgages were 90 to 95% loan-to-value mortgages in 2007. That's probably about 15.5%. Yet, as the global financial crisis hit in 2008-2009, that dropped to nearly one in 63, being sold um, in 95% mortgage range in 2010. Many, many first-time buyers in Fife were unable to buy their first home between 2010 and 2015. Um, okay, so yet to, in the recent budget, the Chancellor has vowed to bring back uh, building societies and banks that uh, they can offer these in higher 95% loan-to-value mortgages. Many people have said that this will mean that Fife um, will have a housing boom, house price boom. I mean, what's your thoughts on that, Neil? Again, one of these things, is, it's difficult to gauge because, yes, it'll help the top end of the market maybe get moving again. It will help bring the first-time buyers in that without the first-time buyers propping up the market, then the market doesn't really exist. But at the same time, there are a lot of other pressures out there um, that, that I think are causing people to delay putting their properties on the market. For instance, like you you mentioned in the piece, you might you probably go into it, the end of the furlough scheme, what effects that going to have later on this year, the, the state of the economy. I've already mentioned Brexit and what that's going to do. So there's, it's all down to, to uncertainty. But what this scheme will do is give that an element of, of that word again, certainty to mortgage lenders to give them that confidence that they can in effect, take the risk to start lending at 95% again. So we will hopefully see a lift, but I don't think we're going to see a boom. Okay. So, I mean, the scheme itself, what does it do? I mean, just for the people that are listening, um, what, what does the scheme do? What is 95% guarantee? What, you know, what does that mean to anybody? Basically means that the government are offering the option of a guarantee of them in the background for any lenders that are that decide to lend up to 95% mortgages. So if it turns out to be too risky and the client is made redundant, they lose their house, they have to repossess, the bank then sells the property at a loss, they'll guarantee the part of the mortgage between 80 to 95%. So the top 15% that they've lent to the client, the most risky percentage They'll guarantee that any the, the the bulk of those losses will be covered by the government, and that's why you were saying. I mean, once it goes below the eight percent loan to value, that's when you're getting more favourable rates because yeah, you know you're just rates. Risk. yeah, because there's there's minimal risk to the bank because even if you do repossess and sell at a loss, are you, are you likely to take a twenty percent hit in the current climate? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, well, it's all 20 about... 20% was the hit that they took in the credit crunch. You know, effectively, that was it. It was, it was about 20% overall. So, 
I can't see us having another credit crunch ever again because of the lessons that were learned before. You know, the liquidity of the banks as well. You know, that's a real big thing just now, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's not just about liquidity as well because. I mean, obviously, the the the, the toxic mortgages were the, were the, a big part of that, but there was also the way the banks were being run as well. You look at um, the dodgy investments rate made by some of the big banks in terms of buying other institutions and and funding and pension schemes and all that kind of thing. Um, and with all the regulation that's come out here and in the US and the breakup of these big institutions and differentiation between um, retail banks and investment banks there's there's less risk within the banking sector as a result but yeah. like you say on to to actually lend money on a mortgage you've got to have a certain amount of liquidity in the background you've also got to have that the higher the loan to value that you're offering the more liquidity you have to have per one pound of that mortgage so yeah. that that's why it took quite a while for 90 95 percent mortgages to come back after the credit crunch because if you were you had to basically build up a larger stock of reserves to cover that mortgage if it falls over yeah so again goes back to the risk you don't need as much money in your own coffers to guarantee to protect yourself against the risk of an 80 percent mortgage falling over compared to a 95. i think it's something that the, the, the government would have to do anyway because it's like what you said i mean in order for them to guarantee a 95 again the, the liquidity would have to be really a lot more they would have to hedge themselves effectively you know that's that's really what that comes down to make sure they've got enough money to cover that if anything does happen yeah yeah i mean would it surprise you if the scheme this scheme is actually practically identical to the scheme launched by george osborne in 2013 budget and it's similar to the help to buy scheme that he actually did at nearly yeah. one in five houses sold that year after the budget and used this scheme yet osborne was the was only really for first-time buyers and it was only for brand new homes when you think about it. Uh, not really what we, well, what we call resale homes. Uh, they're the second market, the secondary market. Um, whilst there is no doubt that this has caused an increase in house purchases, many commentators have said um, it was the backdoor method to keep the country's new home builders afloat. Um, but the big difference between this one and 2021 and that scheme was really five second homeowners. Um, it, it wasn't open to them, but this is now, isn't it? Yeah, the with when when the actual government mortgage guarantee scheme launches next month, it will be available to um, to second home owners or second hand home owners as well as as first time buyers. It's the big difference. Obviously, you still can't have additional properties in the background, um, so it is for people purely buying a home to live in that kind of thing. But it, it will give the option right across the market. So um, I'd pick up on that just to now. You had actually said something which were, oh, my ears pricked up with that. Um, so I'm a landlord. I've got second homes. Um, on my main private residential residence, could I go and get a 95% mortgage under this scheme? Or because I'm a landlord, they wouldn't let me? I'm now doubting myself. <laughs> uh, I'm, pretty one, sure, eh? I'm pretty sure it is only going to be available for to... It, it needs to be the only property that you will own. Yeah. Um, but so do you think it's, it'll probably be because it's your private residential main residence, they will actually allow it? Exactly, yeah. It's got to okay. be for your benefit from a residential uh, uh, home standpoint. It's, mm -hmm. it's all about allowing people to buy their own homes to live in rather than 
helping property investors and we know how the government doesn't like to do anything that helps property investors so um so yeah it's, they're not going to go down that route <laughs> i would never have thought that <laughs> not at all Jim. you've never you raised, you've never raised that point before how dare you say the government's got it in for property investors <laughs> i believe you said that i just tweaked the wording slightly <laughs> i mean the reality is when you think about it the, the government's got it in for property investors all the time but the, but but when it push comes to shove the property investors have propped up the, the lower end of the market for quite a number of years when the first time buyers weren't there and they couldn't get access to any funds. It was the property investors that actually allowed the market still to flow. You know, that's uh, so it's it good to have that healthy balance. Yeah, uh, like you say, it's all about balance. And um, obviously, that one of the issues that we do have is lack of stock at the moment. Um, so, yeah, the government's not going to want too many property investors buying up what stock there is. Um, but it, there's definitely arguments to be made that they've maybe gone too far the other way but, uh, with so, some of the some of the rules that have been brought in over the last five, six years, maybe. Yeah, and I'll be political and say, yeah, our local council does because they're buying houses out of our stock <laughs> for their own stock. <laughs> so the people that used to castigate us as landlords is now doing exactly the same thing. They are taking properties out of the private sell, selling market and actually buying it for their own stock to keep for themselves. Did you know that? <laughs> you have mentioned that before, actually. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm assuming it's being used for social housing. Which I take, I take every opportunity to, to to give it back to them when they dish it out to me. Really, that's what it comes down to. It's like you know, now the now the tables are turned, and you're doing exactly the same thing as a council as you castigated the private landlords for. You're buying stock out and creating. Uh, more demand on properties and actually taking them away from first-time buyers. The reality is most buy-to-let landlords, though, don't really take property away from first-time buyers because first-time buyers don't tend to buy the type of properties that a buy-to-let landlord would buy. It, you know, because let's take a typical example of what I bought recently. I bought a one-bedroom flat off of Leiden High Street at £36,000. Now, I'll be honest, it sat in the market for three years and nobody bought it, not even a first-time buyer. So it was one I picked up and I managed to do that. And then somebody's got a house as a result of that. I bought another house, which was a, you know, in Cooper, which was a buy to let and it was an existing landlord. It fallen out of love with it. So I took it over and then, you know, somebody else has moved in recently. People that couldn't get a mortgage in the beginning and they're not in a position to do that, but they do want to live together as a couple. So, you know, that, that then housed them as well. So I don't tend to find in the majority that, you know, landlords do compete against first-time buyers in that instance because first-time buyers because finance is so cheap just now in terms of the bank lending tend to go for the houses they tend to, rather than flats they'll tend to go for i mean why on earth as a first-time buyer would you want a flat at forty thousand pound if you could spend seventy thousand pound and have a two-bedroom terraced house you know and, and and the affordability is still there it's 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 a fraction of what it used to be in the 1980s i mean the 1980s um, you know, our our disposable income of, of or our income, the mortgage used to take up about about 50 percent. But now it's probably less than 30 percent in terms of in terms of people's incomes. So it's because of interest rates dropping so much, whereas we were paying 15 percent interest rates at the time in the 80s and the early 90s. So it's disproportionate. Um, but it's it, it, I don't think we compete against first time buyers. In, in most instances, um, for that reason. 
Um, okay, so yet, what what will the bank's mortgage interest rate charge be then on on this? You touched on this before. You know, although no building sites or banks have yet publicised what mortgage rates they will charge, all the high street lenders like NatWest, Santander, Virgin, uh, HSBC, Barclays, Lloyds, they've all they, they all stated the intent to offer the ninety five percent loan to value mortgages. Um, but under the, gov the government's uh, mortgage guarantee to the banks, the Westminster will guarantee twenty percent, as you said, of the mortgage of the ninety five percent loan to value. Um, in principle, this means that the building sites and banks should be able to offer the low mortgage interest rates um, as those available to people wanting to borrow a 75% mortgage um, uh, loan to value. I, I mean, it seems, it does seem a bit unfair, eh? If the government's guaranteeing, you know, the fact that we'll guarantee from the 80% upwards to the 95%, um, how a bank then should turn around and, and, and want to charge more to a first-time buyer or second-time buyer taking a 95% mortgage, then they would do somebody under 80%. Because there's no, it's like what you said, it's it's meant to reflect the risk. But if the risk isn't there anymore, why, why we, we could debate this and say, why should they be charging more interest? Yeah, I mean, like you say, we we don't know what they're going to be charging. I mean, I've got examples of the, the, the very small number of 95% mortgages that are currently available, um, but these are not backed by the scheme because it hasn't launched yet. So these are lenders doing it off their own back. And you are generally talking um, in excess of, of 4%. Um, right, and okay. possibly, in, in most cases, specifically for first-time buyers. Um, but the... I mean, we've, we've talked before, because I've mentioned before, when, we, when I've been on since the first lockdown a year ago uh -huh. and, and when lending did start to improve and, and even before the conversation, I mentioned that in some, to a certain extent, rates for people with not a huge amount of equity in the property are in a way artificially high. Yeah. Um, and, and what I was meaning by that is that market forces in terms of the interbank rates in other words where they get the money to then lend to customers on a fixed rate mortgage uh -huh. those rates are still incredibly low which is why you're talking somebody that's got 40 percent equity in the property can get a five-year fixed rate uh, under 1.75 percent at the moment however wow. you're talking 90 percent mortgages for uh, somebody that the way you're you're looking at a rate of three and a half percent plus Part of the reason for that is to control the flow of business. If you suddenly start offering 95% mortgages at the same price as a 75% mortgage, you're going to people are going to be well. Why am I putting in such a big deposit? I'm going. They get, you're going to get an influx of of, value, of uh, applications, and lenders just can't cope. Having underwriters and mortgage processors working from home, just like you and I are. Is, yeah. is has been a big strain on the on the industry they have gotten better but at one point you were talking fairly simple mortgage cases taking the best part of a month to underwrite just because they couldn't cope with with having to work from home and the technical difficulties that presented um you've also got as i say the market forces at the moment are where mortgages of 90 even 85 percent at the moment are probably where 95% rates were about three, four years ago. So again, you can't start offering a 95% mortgage cheaper than you're offering an 80 or 85% mortgage. So hopefully it will filter down and 
we'll, we'll see rate, re, rates reduce as more and more lenders start doing it. Mm. And competition is going to be a big factor as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, at, at the point I did this article, it's on this in this, in this uh, broadcast itself. Um, the average five-year fixed rate mortgage was three point six percent with a ten percent deposit. But if you have a twenty-five percent deposit, as you said, you know, you can fix rate for five years for like one point six three. It's like you know, that's amazing. Um, Big difference. Often, often, probably the help of bank and mum and dad <laughs> for the first-time buyers would would give you a significant uh, boost in the beginning, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, would, would you, can can you can you share equity with your with your mum and dad? Can you go in and, and as a first time buyer and actually buy a property with your mom, mother and father, or you know, or or someone else to 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 get to that level where somebody would actually come in and they would pay the deposit, um, or would it have to be gifted? Um, generally, have to be gifted. I mean, you could go on a mortgage with with mum and dad, um, or. But the, the problem with that is with most lenders, mum and dad are also on the title deed, so then they've got additional dwelling supplement tax to think about. Right. It also restricts the length of the mortgage based on mum and dad's age rather than son and daughter's age. So you okay. might have a shorter mortgage, therefore higher monthly payment. Um, so there are potential options like that. We do it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Students looking to buy a property, mum and dad have got a reasonably decent income. Yeah. Um, there is there, there are a couple of lenders that actually do something called um, joint mortgage sole proprietor. Mm -hmm. So if you you and your daughter went on a mortgage together, it would be a joint mortgage application. So both incomes would be taken into account, but the title deeds could be in her name only. Right. Because because you wouldn't be on the title deeds, you wouldn't have tax to pay. Okay. Um, and so, so that's an that's that's one one that we we look at quite often in in certain circumstances. Not many lenders do it, but we've got a couple. So mm -hmm. potentially you could, but it's more case of if it's just the just a question of how big a deposit. In most yeah. cases, it's it's going to be a gift. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, don't forget uh, though that the banks will be charged uh, a still to be decided amount of the government guarantee as well on the last help to buy scheme when you think about it um it was rumored that they were charged 0.9 percent of the mortgage uh, borrowed so this cost would have to be passed on to the first-time buyer uh, and i would suspect that probably eventual first-time uh, buyer rates will have to pay in the region of it's what you said you know the four percent region or thereabouts um for what they would want um but i mean it still makes it it still makes it affordable doesn't it if, if, you, if, you, if, if the price of the property is at the right level Exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we when I'm looking at a client's um, case, I've got to factor in their budget and what, what can they actually afford, not just what does the mortgage lender say they can afford. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they've got to be comfortable with the monthly payments and, and that kind of thing. And and as you said, while an interest rate of four, four and a half percent seems quite high at the moment. Yeah. Well, you were just talking about 15 percent interest rates. So in the grand scheme of things, it's still a pretty low rate. I mean, even when I when I was um, doing mortgages, uh, well, when I started 17 years ago, and you, again, you mentioned in the article the, the dreaded Northern Rock Together mortgage. I mean, for that that mortgage, you were talking five, six and a half, seven percent, depending on, on what the underlying base rate was at the time. Uh -huh. So so rates of four, four and a half, big picture, aren't particularly high but they are significantly higher than you can get for people with, with bigger deposits at this point in time. 
it's all about getting proper advice um, and making sure that what you take out is affordable over a sustained period of time. Yeah, Susan and David have actually said difficulties with self-employed and getting a mortgage. Um, is that still a, an issue today? Still going to be an issue. Um, I mean, it, it also it depends on the type of self-employment. It depends on if they are able to keep trading during the, this latest lockdown or whether they had to stop trading again. Um, but generally speaking, if you've got your, your accounts are up to date, so we're, we're now at the period that we need April 2020 accounts to have been done. Yeah. And so we would need the accounts for 2020 and 2019. Um, we'd be looking at probably three months bank statements just to show that trading levels are at pre-COVID uh, pre levels so that they are trading and it's sustainable. What we're coming up, obviously, to the new tax year, mm -hmm. and uh, lenders haven't really said what they're expecting from net profit figures from April onwards. Because obviously, the, the difficulty with self-employed income is you're dealing with historic income, yeah, not what they're actually been making in the last three or four months. So, um, it, again seek advice because every lender is taking a slightly different approach to it. Some lenders aren't happy with the, um, the grants that have been given to self-employed businesses. Others don't care as long as the business is trading as normal now. Yeah. So it's one of these things you, you need to get advice from a broker. Your own bank might not be an awful lot of help. Yeah. And then there's there's the difficulty of you running a company and, and you don't, you know, classic example, recent, I, I feel foul this in the past is the fact that I, I don't really pay myself that much. You know, I just pay what I need to get by, really. Um, I'm not extravagant in what I do. So it's like, oh, well, I'll just pay myself a certain amount. But then it comes back to haunt you. Because <laughs> then when you put your statements in from your bank about what you're being paid, it's like, well, you don't earn enough to actually get that mortgage. It's like, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> again, it will depend on, again, the key to get advice, because there are certain lenders, if the rather than going by what you've physically drawn out of the business, there are one or two that might take retained profit into account yeah. for a limited company. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, there are there are potential options out there. You just got to go to the right place to get the right advice. Uh, it's exactly like someone like yourself. I mean, the classic example is, you know, you don't not everybody wants to draw every single part of profit out of their business. They want to leave stuff in because you need, you need profit left in there in order for the business to grow, in order for the business to reinvest. So, you know, sometimes you do take the prudent attitude. It's like, well, I only need that amount and, and I'll leave the rest in. But that's good to hear that um, lenders are now, some lenders are actually taking to that into account um, because it, it has come it has come back to haunt me in the past where um, where I've done that. And, uh, and, and, and it's like, yeah, it then makes it, puts you in a difficult situation. So my advice to anybody, um, obviously, um, you need to take uh, financial advice and legal advice on this because I'm not an expert. Is possibly make sure that the three months bank statements reflect the fact that what you want in order to get your mortgage. Would that be the right scenario? <laughs> I think I'm going to sidestep that question. I don't want to drop yourself in it. <laughs> <laughs> So the new 95% 5% mortgage scheme is only going to work if banks or building sites have sensible mortgage rates, really. That's what it's going to come down to, as it needs to help those five first-time buyers. Um, it was intended to help. We're trying to find it hard to get on their first run 
of the fight housing ladder. Really, that's what it comes down to. So it all comes down to how anxious banks and building societies are about the true long-term effect of the pandemic or, the, or once the furlough scheme ends in the autumn. Because, um, you know, it'll end in, well, possibly end in the autumn. You never know. Only time will tell, really, to that degree. Um, yet, to give you an idea of the difference in mortgage rates, the scheme uh, made on a typical terrace house in Fife, here is the, and we had we had talked about just this off in, in, the, in the green room just a wee minute ago, um, and the fact that a typical Fife house, on average, a terraced house or a townhouse in Fife in the last 12 months was 135,000. Now, if we look at Glenrothes, that was around about 99,000. If we look at Leaven, it was about 112,000. If we go on to Cooper, it's 175,000 for that similar house. And then if we go on to uh, East Nuke, we're sitting at 267,000. And then if you move on to St. Andrews, it's 309,000. So effectively, St. Andrews' average terraced house price is three times that of Glenrothes. And yet, when you, and we spoke about this, you're, you're talking about half an hour to 45 minutes away from each other, and yet there's a three time differential. That's amazing. Oh, it's bizarre. One or the other. I mean, assuming a 35-year repayment mortgage and borrowing the amount on this scenario, um, at least the current um, best 95% mortgage rate uh, and a 5% deposit of 4.15% mentioned at the start, um, it would cost about £610 a month in mortgage payments. And the current average um, of a 95% a loan-to-value mortgage of 3.6%, that would be 566. And 75% uh, loan-to-value mortgage would be 1.63%. And that would round about 422 per month. So it's amazing how much difference that makes just because of the difference in 95, 90, and 75. I mean, the difference between the two of them from the top to the bottom is almost about £200 a month extra. Yep. Huge difference, eh? Yeah. How does that, like the 95%, I suppose an interesting point is, how, how does that monthly payment compare to what they would pay in rent on a similar property? Oh, 95%, £610 a month. Um, if you are buying a standard terraced house, 135000 that's exactly what this reflects here, um, you would be, rental-wise, possibly about £600 a month. Yeah, about the same. So you're trading like for like. It's 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 it comes at five fifty to six hundred. It depends on. I mean, some of them might be a wee bit more, maybe six fifty, but it depends on your. I mean, a lot of people actually say um, renting a property is like throwing money in the fire. But renting a property is meant to be designed to have give you the flexibility of of not having a mortgage um, and not having, for want of a better phrase, a noose around your neck. If that makes sense where you're tied into something and you have the flexibility to move to different places that you need to, to accommodate things like jobs. So the rental market's good for mobility of labour. Um, the rental market's also good for, you know, additional costs. Because a classic example is, you know, your boiler breaks down if you own the house. You've got to outlay £2,500. Boiler breaks down if you're renting the house, your landlord's got to outlay £2,500. You get a leaky roof, you've got to pay for it. Your landlord has to pay for it. 
So these are all, it's all the, it's all the pluses and minus depend on what tenure you want to go to, depend on your circumstances, depending on your, uh, what your preferences are. Um, another one as well is um, you're maybe not settled in the right area. You don't know the area that well. So you choose to rent just now in order to ascertain if it's the right, the right place to buy. And then, you know, we get people like that who will sell their house, they'll move into rent accommodation, and then they will wait to consider what house purchase they would have next and in what area. Um, and then that's when they would choose to rent in that area. So there's a lot of different things. There's also the fact that, you know, clearly um, we have people that just can't can't get a mortgage. That's really what it comes down to. They've got no means of getting a mortgage. Um, there's no access to social housing. Um, I'm going to mention East Nuke. I'm going to mention St Andrews. Um, I'm going to mention Glenrothes as well because really they're all pressured, pressured areas, pressured status areas. You know, there was there was some point when I used to sit in the housing partnership that the when they introduced pressure housing status as a legal term, um, they actually introduced it when I was sitting in the housing partnership to say that um, by putting pressure housing status um, on an area, um, you were no longer allowed to buy your council house for a certain period of time. They were allowed to do that for a five-year period, up to a five-year period, um, to stop you doing that, to taking houses out of the social housing sector. Um, I don't know if that exists now, but I still know these areas are very, very pressured in terms of um, a, a supply of affordable housing. Um, and, and I always beat this drum, and I'll say it every single time, and I'll say it every single show until they do it, is the council need to get back and the government need to get back to building council houses. Not, not housing associations, council, government, proper council houses and proper affordable houses as well. You know, houses which they can do shared equity with, you know, the existing, with the existing person that buys. Um, you know, that's the type of things they need to do to do that. I've always said, and I've, always, I've joked about it to a degree, it's like building council houses solves every single problem. You've got house prices going at a rapid rise build council houses, introduce more people into the system. You've got um, other things as well. You've got um, uh, rents going up at a rapid rate, build council houses, you know, because that'll take out the, the demand in the area and therefore the prices of rents will come down. You've got a problem with people not having jobs, build council houses, because <laughs> people can work and build houses and learn new skills. It, it covers a huge amount of um, it covers a huge amount of things that it could actually solve and, and resolve the problem. But for some reason, there's there's a desire not to do it or they, they claim they've not got the money, you know, but but if you've got, you know, 400 million, 4 billion or whatever that figure is for Trident missiles, and I'll just use that as an example, then surely that could be put to better use. That's my political point for today. <laughs> <laughs> Can't argue with that one, to be fair. <laughs> And it solves a multitude. Of, it solves a multitude of problems uh, in, in our economic situation. It does. It does do a lot of things to build infrastructure and improvements to build an economy. And 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 it, and, and I think it's the right thing to do. Um, but I mean, you think you think about. It, you have to applaud the chancellor for this initiative. Uh, yet it, it will be fields of clover. Uh, yet will it be fields of clover forever? Really? I mean, for the five property market with the new scheme, well. It possibly won't. It'll be a good boost to the five market and the five housing market, 
in terms of where it is, whilst the mortgage guarantee offers a small proportion of security for lenders, it doesn't focus on the riskiest part of the housing market. Many lenders still have cold shivers, as you said, from the Northern Rock 125% mortgage deals. <laughs> I, 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 I laugh at it every single time because I distinctly remember the previous owner of our estate agency and sitting down with him and he said, I've got this great new product because we were looking to get a new mortgage. I've got this great new product. And he just put it in front of me. And at that time, I was training to be an accountant. And he says, you get 125% of your, your, your house that you'll buy. And immediately I went, that makes no sense at all. <laughs> Why on earth would I buy? Why on earth would I borrow one hundred and twenty-five percent of the value of my home? So I'm actually in negative equity and I'm living in debt for the next however it takes to get that value back up in terms of what it is. And I said, "Why would I do that?" He said, "You might want to buy a new car." <laughs> That's the totally irresponsible attitude. It, it it made the end of the Northern Rock. You know that was it. I knew that was coming, Neil. I knew as soon as I heard that product, I knew this kind of, this has got to lead to the end, end of the, the times for them if they keep continuing to do that. And then it just went crazy. I mean, I'm, I am actually on trackers for mortgages, lifetime trackers and buy-to-let with some of my properties at base plus 0.99% for life. So what do you think I'm paying in interest rates just now on some of the buy-to-lets I've got? And that, that's, but, but you can't do deals like that anymore. That will never be introduced again, will it? I mean, you still get tracker rates on residential mortgages, but certainly not, not anything like that level. You'll look at a lifetime. You'll look at that set yeah. for life. Yeah. That's literally for life. That's why, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm at pains to, I'm at pains to move the mortgage because I'll never, because of that. But I know the price of the property has increased so much. It would be preferential to remortgage it to get the money back out to reinvest it and leverage the income. But if you're getting base plus 0.99, it, it's difficult to let go of that deal um, for life. Yeah. But that's why the mortgage rock's no here anymore. Um, I even sat across from the table when the guy just turned white from the Dunfermline Building Society when he was told that there's a run on the bank right in front of me <laughs> on his phone. We were sitting in a meeting and he just went white. And I went, what's wrong? He says, I've got to go. And that was the end of the Dunfermline building site of the next day. Yeah. That's another story. The fact that these types of mortgages will be higher risk, even if the government are underwriting them with smaller deposits, which will come through the banks and building sites pricing for these mortgages. Also, the lenders are already at nearly full capacity. It's like what you're saying, trying, uh, trying to get hundreds of thousands of existing property sales and purchases through because of the land and buildings transaction tax um, uh, rush over the last nine months. Um, and, and we're awaiting these early April rates, which we'll, which we'll make a comment on again later on, more than likely. So, I mean, you know, that's that's kind of where we're standing now with with the 95% mortgage. I mean, you've got any, anything to add on that, Neil? Um, I know I know. if anybody wants to do anything, they need to come to you to talk to you about it. Well, they do. I mean, it's a conversation I had with somebody yesterday, a client, and you said right at the start, it's been a difficult time for, for first-time buyers. It's been a difficult time for mortgage brokers. So, um, I mean, she was asking, it was a client who was like, should I do the first home fund? Should I do for 95? Should I wait for the new guarantee scheme? And I go, I can't actually uh, answer that question 
There's pros and cons to both. We don't know what the rates are going to be. Also depends on your own personal circumstances. If you don't have to pay the government back, great, but it might give you more buying power if you do. There's so many variables, so many things to take into consideration. So advice is key. It is, it is definitely. I mean, you know, you touched on it there as well. The first first homes fund's coming back in on the first of April. Um, your clear advice there is be as quick as you can. Really, that's what it comes down to. It's a limited fund, isn't it, this year? It's quarter of what it was last year. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's 60 million as opposed to original budget of 150, which I think ended up going to 220 because it was oversubscribed. So it's, so it's that massively... April, May, June, July, August, September, done. Okay, so we've now got 160 versus that. That's about a third of that. So you're basically about two months that'll last. Well, to be fair, that did go back to the, the December when it was launched. You remember when yeah. we did our first sit down? Ah, it, right. Okay. That, yep. There was still a few, about four months of the previous year that were included in that first tranche of funds. Yeah. Um, but it's still a heck of a difference. Um, I mean, I've got clients that have actually had offers accepted, mortgages are applied for, and I've one of my jobs for first of April is to get the first home fund applications in. Um, oh, so you, you're doing that now. So that's the advice yeah. now. Just like get everything in place now, ready to go. So you're over the line and uh, and you've secured the funds. Really, that's what it comes down yeah, to. Exactly. The, 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 one of the big benefits about the first home fund compared to all the other schemes is it's not means tested and you don't have to be pre-approved. So as long as you fit the criteria, you're going to get the money until they run out. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's the lenders are okay with it. Our compliance is okay with it. As long as you can prove your personal deposit, get approved for the mortgage, and you've got a date of entry agreed with the seller that's going to take into account, it'll take a bit of time to get the first home fund loan approved. There's no reason not to crack on if you find the property that you're looking for. Perfect. Okay, great stuff. Right, thanks very much, Neil, for coming on the show and talking about the the 95% mortgages for first-time buyers and second homeowners, actually. Um, and uh, and I'll post uh, your details in here, Neil, in the comments and uh, on all the posts before. Or you could you could jump on yourself and post your details and uh, and, and people will be able to see it from there. Um, but until next time, guys, uh, thanks very much and thanks, Neil, for coming on the show. Cheers, Jim. Thanks for having me. All right. Cheers, then. Bye.